Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you. What an awesome church that you have. We have been here, my wife and I, which by the way, uh, Carrie, would you mind standing? My wife is with me today. Can you give her a hand and welcome her? She is the assistant supervisor for um, the Southeast District of Foursquare Churches. That's our denomination. And so, uh, so she's my boss, but I already knew that. So that was no surprise. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, we have two kids. Our daughter just graduated from Liberty University. Our son is a junior at Coastal Carolina University near Myrtle Beach. And um, so we are very, very blessed. But this weekend, we have had such an amazing time with all of these awesome young men and women of God right here. Bridge 56, give it up for Bridge 56. I don't know if you realize, church, but there are some big plans that God has for this group right here. Big plans. You need to be ready. I'm telling you, God's doing some great things. But we are super excited to be here, and thank you, Pastor Darren, Pastor Dana, thank you so much for inviting us. Um, what great trust that you have in the Lord and in Pastor Beth and in me, because you didn't know me at all. And so for me to be standing here, I just want to say thank you so much for the privilege of doing that. But uh, we feel very honored to be here. I want to invite you, please, to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And uh, today I'm actually going to come alongside and continue the series that Pastor Darren uh, began a couple of weeks ago. And, and I've actually been watching your services online. And so I'm kind of aware of where you've been. I watched Vision Sunday. And then as we came into this series, The Life of Christ, and so as Pastor Darren talked about the revealing truth, that was the first message. And then last week, wasn't that a powerful word, running on empty? God spoke so many things to me last week through that word, and, uh, and so I really received deeply from that. So the title of today's message, we're in the same series, but the title of the message is Raise Your Expectations. Raise Your Expectations. We're going to talk about the life of Christ and how because of his life in us, we can raise our expectations you know, there are a lot of people who live with low expectations. They're not really believing God for a whole lot, for anything very significant. But today we want to talk about raising our expectations up. Do you know that um, the height of a basketball goal, the rim of a basketball goal, the official height, does anybody know what that height is? 10 feet, 10 feet tall. That's the goal, right? So now if you are, are, are young um, or vertically challenged, then 10 feet's a long way up there, right? Some of the basketball players, pro players and everything, that's not so much of a big deal for them. But so 10 feet is the, is the rim. But have you ever seen the goals that you can buy, you can get that are adjustable and you can bring that puppy down to eight feet and slam on it like you're Michael Jordan and LeBron James? I love that. But you know what? It's really not that impressive. It'd be great. You know, that's for kids to do that. But when a grown man like me gets on there and I start dunking on some little kid and I say, oh, I'm Michael Jordan, you know, that's not very impressive. <laughs> but sometimes people do that in life. They lower their expectations. And listen to this. Success is never achieved by lowering your expectations. Success is never achieved by lowering your expectations. But if you faced hurt or pain or disappointment, if there's something that has taken place in your life, then sometimes you might think, well, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking too highly. Maybe I'm believing God for something that's not realistic. Maybe I'm being unrealistic. 
And so you start lowering your expectations. Let me tell you how it happens sometimes. You're in a bad relationship. Something kind of goes sideways with things. The relationship falls apart. And so oftentimes, people will lower their expectations and say, well, maybe God doesn't have somebody that special for me. Maybe I just need to settle for this. Can I just tell you, and, and, and let me speak specifically to, to young ladies. It, it's, it's young men as well, but I want to speak something to young ladies right now. Don't you dare settle for some, am I allowed to say schmuck? Okay. I can go worse than that. Okay, well, hey, <laughs> welcome to Texas. <laughs> I get it, man. I'm from the South too. I'm from North Carolina. So when I say y'all, you know what I mean? When I say all y'all, you get it. You get it. Don't settle. Whether it's in your relationships, your job, your calling, don't settle. Don't settle. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus made these amazing words. He said this amazing statement to his followers. He said in John chapter 14, starting in verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now that's amazing all by itself, isn't it? Jesus said the works that I do, the people who follow me and believe in me, they will be able to do these works also. But then he goes on to say this, and greater works. Can you say those words? Greater works. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus will give us his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. Now, remember, this is before Jesus actually went to the cross. So before he went to the cross, he's preparing his disciples and he's saying, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise again. You're going to see the power of God. And because I do that work, then that's going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness, to purify you. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he moves in and cleanses you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like water being poured in. He purifies you. But then Jesus went further than that, and he said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will also receive power, and there will be an infilling and an overflowing of your life, so that the same works that I do, even greater works you'll be able to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm just trying to catch up to the works that Jesus did, much less greater works. What did Jesus do? He did miracles, he healed people. He raised people from the dead. He cast out demons. Now, I've seen God, when I'm obedient to him, being led by the Spirit of God, I've seen several of those things happen. I've never seen anyone raised from the dead yet. Now, I, I know of people who have been raised from the dead, but I, but I haven't seen that with my own hands, with my own eyes. So I'm thinking, man, I can't wait. 
I can't wait for that to happen. And there have been times where the Holy Spirit has prompted me to pray for people. Now, I do it very, very wisely and subtly, but the point is this. God wants to do great things in your life. Don't settle. Don't lower the rim. Don't settle for anything less. In fact, let me give you just a a few statements. There's three statements that I want to give to you today. And if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. But I believe that this is part of a prophetic word that God is speaking to you and to me. Um, He's speaking these things to his church. And so the first part of this is, uh, is, is this, and you can write this down. Stop settling for mediocrity, but raise your expectations. Stop settling for mediocrity. You know what mediocrity is? It's when you just kind of settle for things that are just kind of average. And there's nothing real spectacular. It's just kind of like, well, I guess this is just kind of how my life is going to be, and you just kind of settle into it. And, and the Holy Spirit comes along, and he prompts us, and he says, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for mediocrity. Let me give you an example. Has anyone in the room ever heard of a man named Terah? couple people. Let me ask you a different question. Has anyone in the room ever heard of a man named Abraham? Okay, I've heard of Abraham. Who's this Torah guy? Torah is Abraham's father. Let me tell you one reason why you haven't heard a whole lot about Torah. Here's what the Bible says about Torah. We don't know a whole lot about him, but here's what we do know. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 and 32. It'll be up on the screen for you. It says this. Torah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans. That's where they lived. That's where they were from. So they went from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to, where were they going to go to? The land of Canaan. That's where they were heading. But they came to Haran, a place called Haran, and they dwelt there. Another way to say that is they settled They settled there. And then it says this. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Here's the point. One of the reasons why you don't know a whole lot about Terah is because although he launched out from where he was, and so many of us do that, right? We have a great start to our life of faith, our journey of faith. God delivers us out of bondage. He delivers us. He saves us. And we get on this journey. But I know too many Christians who are on their way to Canaan or to the promises, the full promises of God. But somewhere along the way, they settle. And they never quite reach it. And it's a sad story. That's Terah's story. But then, of course, we know that then God spoke to that next generation, to Abram, and he said, I want you to rise up and I want you to get out of this place because I never called you to settle at this place. I called you to go to that place. And so God is speaking his word to us and reminding us, you know what, don't settle. Don't settle for anything. I think this is interesting. You're going to find this very interesting. Do you know what Haran means? That place where where Terah went, do you know what what, what Haran actually literally means? The crossroads. Wow. Now, now, don't get the wrong idea. That's not to say all of you have just settled. I mean, why are you here? No, it's, it's to say this. Every, think about this. Every Sunday, you come here and you're at a crossroads and God gives you an opportunity to live in faith and believe him for great things, but you have to make a decision every week, every time, every time you gather. That's who you are. 
You're at the crossroads and you get to walk from this place and believe God to do great things in your life. That's why I love this church because of of the worship and the word and prayer and the things that you get. You're at a crossroads every week and God gets to speak to you and say, now I want you to go and fulfill the promise. Don't settle, amen? Don't settle for mediocrity, but raise your expectations. Here's another thing that you can write down. Stop underestimating God. His plans for you are bigger and better than you think. Don't underestimate God. Here's what happens. Oftentimes we think, well, yeah, of course, God can do anything. You know, he can do all kinds of things. He's a powerful God. And I know he can do it in that person and that person and that person and that person. But when it comes to my own life, that's when I stop really believing in all that God can accomplish. Don't underestimate God. God can use you in ways that you have never imagined. God can use you. Oftentimes, we disqualify ourselves, and the whole time God is saying, hey, I can do great things through your life. I can do powerful things. In fact, God says in his words, I desire to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or even imagine in your mind. I can do even greater things. Jesus said it, right? Greater works shall you do. You will do great works. He's trying to to get us to be filled with faith and to say, you know what? You can do these things. But here's the key. We have to remember this. This is a very important scripture. When you do these, have you ever felt like you just were a little less than qualified? Like, you know, I, I just don't know how I can really accomplish that. The goal is 10 feet tall. How am I gonna reach that? And then there's this scripture that the Holy Spirit reminds us of. And he says, it's not by your might, It's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How how do we reach the big goals that God has called us to reach? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it ties into the life of Christ. Because do you know that when Jesus was here on the earth, Jesus didn't do anything any miracles. He didn't start his ministry until he was probably about 30 years old. The Bible tells us this. But when he began those miracles, it, it, it started right after something very important. Jesus, do you remember, went out into the wilderness where John was, his cousin. John, we call him John the Baptist. He went out there to the Jordan River. John was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And as he's baptizing people, by the way, the Bible says that John baptized people with a baptism of repentance. They were repenting. But then Jesus walked up and Jesus said, hey, John, I want to be baptized. And John said, you ought to be baptizing me. I don't need to baptize you. And John said, no, I need to be baptized. Now, did Jesus need a baptism of repentance? No, he had never sinned. He didn't need a baptism of repentance. There was something different that he was looking for in those waters. Yes, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Yes, it was as an example to believers because he calls all of us to be baptized in water. That's a part of walking in faith with Jesus. But let me tell you what happened in those waters. This is one of those powerful moments where the Trinity all is seen in one place because you have Jesus going into the water. The voice of the Father speaks from heaven. So you have the Father from heaven. The Son is in the water. And then the Holy Spirit comes and anoints him, and remains upon him. It is after Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit, then he began his ministry. 
His first miracle did not happen until he was filled with the Spirit. This is what Luke says. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, he said, the Bible says Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, it says, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, that might be something you think, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. But here's why it's so important. Because if, oftentimes we think that Jesus did all of his miracles because he was God. And after all, God can do whatever he wants. God can do miracles. And Jesus was God, so God did miracles. Jesus did miracles. But do you remember, though, that Jesus, when he came to the earth, he chose to willingly lay down his privileges as God. Now, he was still God. He could have any, at any moment changed the ballgame entirely. But he chose to live as a human being, and he laid down his God powers. You can say it maybe like that. He laid down the privileges, the powers of being God. Instead, he chose to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to do his ministry. This is why it's important. Because if Jesus then entrusts his ministry to us, and you remember he said this, right, to all of his followers, you lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. You, you cast out demons, Right? Freely you've received, now freely give. Go raise the dead. I mean, how do you like that for a job description? <laughs> right? Do what I did. How do we do that? See, if Jesus did those things because he was God, then we would never be able to do those things. Why? Because you're not God. But if Jesus did those things because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then guess what? That's a game changer. Because I can be filled with the Holy Spirit I can be led by the Holy Spirit. I can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes up the difference. Have you ever looked at your life and you say, you know what, I can only get this far, but the goal is way up here. How am I going to get there? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes up the difference. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside and, and fills us, leads us, empowers us to do what we could not do on our own. It's not by our might or by our strength. It's by the Holy Spirit in us. Now, here's the third thing that I want you to, to jot down if you're taking notes. And all of these have started with, with, with stop. You know, it's kind of a negative message, honestly, right? Kind of negative. Stop settling for mediocrity. Stop underestimating God. And listen to this. Stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. Put your faith in God. Now, I want to tell you something about my life. <clears throat> I, I have battled with I mean, since I was very young, I remember battling with fear. For whatever reason, there was just fears and insecurities. And I think that everybody has fears and insecurities. But that was kind of a significant thing for me. And it was, it was a big deal. And God would continually push me out to do things that, that I was really uncomfortable doing. I didn't like being in front of people. I didn't like speaking in front of people. I didn't like singing in front of people, but constantly God was just pushing me out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God just pushes you out to do these things, and it's just kind of like, hey, sink or swim, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> see what happens. And constantly what I found was that the Holy Spirit was there to help me and to lift me up. And I knew that it wasn't in my own power. It wasn't in my own ability. It was only because I was leaning on the Holy Spirit and on His power. We, this past week, weekend had an incredible time with all of these bridge 56ers and they they taught me some things this week we were asking the question what is it that hinders you from doing big things for god because i i believe 
that the lives of these young men and women, God's going to do big things. We, we prayed over every single one, and, uh, and God was just prophetically speaking all kinds of words. It was just such a powerful time yesterday. So, but I asked the question, I said, what are some things that, that hold you back? And so we use this glass as an illustration of our lives, and this glass represents each one of us. And so I said, well, what are the things that hold you back from doing big things for God? When you know God's called you to big things, but, but some things kind of hold you back sometimes. So what are some of those things? These are all their words. These are the things that they said. Now, I want you to just see if any of this applies to you as, as well. Because, because here's, I'm convinced of this. Adults are just kids in bigger size. Right? That's exactly right. So one person said, I said, what holds you back from doing big things for God? One person said, sometimes I feel unneeded unneeded. Have you ever felt that way though? Have you ever felt like, you know what, I, I just don't know how much I contribute. I, I don't know what I can really contribute to this. And so we disqualify ourselves. It, it holds us back from doing big, big things for God. So feeling unneeded. Someone else said they feel resistance. And this was powerful because they said, you know what, sometimes I feel like there's something that's it's coming against me and resisting me. And, and sometimes it's people that are coming against me. And then sometimes it's Satan. He's coming. And isn't that true? Every one of us, we, we, can, we can relate to that. Because you start to do something. You start to walk in faith. And then what happens? You hit resistance. You hit a wall. There's a circumstance. There's something that happens in your life, and it just comes up against you. And, and, and by the way, all of that kind of resistance, ultimately, you know Satan's behind it in some way or another, right? He's resisting you. He's trying to hold you back and to hold you down. By the way, he tries to hold you to your past. And God wants to set you free and release you to your destiny. You don't need to be chained by your past anymore. But the, 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 the Satan himself, the enemy, he comes to resist you. So that holds us back sometimes. Someone else said this, sometimes I just feel sad. I feel overwhelmed. I mean, have any of you taken note of how many people in our culture, in fact, let's get a little bit closer, how many people in our community, let's come a little bit closer, how many people in our families and in this church are battling with things like anxiety, and depression, and worry, feeling overwhelmed in their emotions and in their thoughts. And you know what? The enemy's behind those things as well. There's practical things to deal with, all of that, I get it. But ultimately, that's something that's holding us back from doing big things for God. So there it is. I mean, we have all these things, right, that are in our lives that are holding us back. What else? Sometimes, someone said this, I thought this was brilliant. They said, sometimes I just feel embarrassed. Like, I don't know what other people are going to think. What if I walk in faith? What if I'm, you know, try to do a big thing for God? And, 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 and then what if I get made fun of? What if other people don't understand or don't appreciate that? What, what if I lose friendships or relationships because of my stand that I'm trying to take? By the way, that's a very real issue. Because when you really take a strong stand for the Lord, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel the resistance. So sometimes that holds us back. Then there's something called sin. Sometimes sin holds us back. You know what sin does? Sin robs us of our confidence. 
when we have sin that's not been dealt with, it's not been really uh, confessed before God and healed in our lives, we have unresolved sin in our life, what happens is that robs away our confidence and we don't feel like we're worthy to do anything for God because after all, if anybody really knew what was going on right back here in my life, then, and so it holds us back. Unresolved sin. And then there is this, and th- this, we just talked about it, fear. Fear. Fear holds us back. But you know what? We're reminded, and, and we learned the scripture yesterday. I'm going to test you, and I'm going to give you a quiz right now and see if you remember the scripture that we learned yesterday about fear. And we said this. We, in fact, we learned head motions with us. Will you help us out? We all need to do this together. Come on, get the inner 12-year-old going inside of you. Are you ready? So everybody's shaking their head like this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say it again, ready? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given unto us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind, right? Let's say it again, ready? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say it again. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given unto us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear. I used to teach that. The reason why I had those motions is because I taught that to my kids when they were very, very little. We had a little song that we would do with it and everything. All the motions. Every night in bed. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Why did I want to instill that in my children? The same reason why God's trying to instill it in me. (laughs) So that I'm not held back from doing big things for God. Because those of us who are adults, we deal with fears too. But one of the things that we realized is that just as we were reading, remember I told you about Jesus? Jesus was in the the waters of baptism, and the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let let me give you a picture of what that looks like. And we used this uh, example this past week. We said, if this cup, this glass represents your life, and here's all the things in your life that hold you back, from doing big things for God. You know what you can't really do is you can't just sit there and go, get out, sadness. Get out. Get out, sin. Get out. Like you, you can't just kind of point to things and just say, you know what, you don't deal with these things in your life by trying to deal with the things. Instead, you say, Holy Spirit, will you come and fill me? Watch what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and he's like living water. He comes and he fills your life. Then what happens? All of a sudden, one by one, all of these things begin to flow out of your life. How easy is that? And not only that, but then the Holy Spirit doesn't even stop. And he says, I want to fill you to overflowing exceedingly, abundantly, above. And now you stay full all the time, full of love, full of of hope, full of joy, full of peace. This is what the Holy Spirit brings in your life. And yes, is it true that sometimes you still battle with these things? Yes. But instead of trying to battle those individual things, you come alongside and you just say, you know what, Jesus, I need a refill. It's just like your car. You can't buy a new car, go to the gas station, fill it up and think that you're done. (laughs) 
You have to go back and get refills. You have to go back and fill up the tank again and again and again. And by the way, it's not a, an issue of timing. It's not a, you can't set your clock and say, okay, you know what? Every Saturday I'm going to get gas. You can't say that because it's not about the time. It's about the mileage. Listen to me very carefully. Some of you are going through very difficult seasons of your life, and every day you're having to track a lot of mileage just to make things happen. When you are in seasons like that, you need to come more often and say, I need a refill. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the great promise that God gives to us. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, it's very important you hear this, everyone who asks receives. So let me ask you a question. What is it that you need to do in order to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit? All you need to do is ask. That's all you need to do. We overcomplicate it sometimes. All you need to do is ask. And he comes by his Spirit. Oh, and it's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. He comes by his Spirit and he begins to pour that living water in our lives. Oh, and then all of a sudden, hope starts to arise and joy and peace. His presence starts to become so real. Now I don't feel unneeded. Why? Because I know I'm loved by God. Now I'm not bound by sin. I may still have some issues that I still, but it's not unconfessed and it's not unresolved and it's not holding me back. Right? Because I'm walking in the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God. Now fear is not holding me back. I may still feel it at times, but God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you see what I'm talking about? Sometimes we focus so much on the negative things and we're trying to get the ping pong balls out of our glass. All the while, all we need to do is say, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you fill me today? And then he pours himself into us. I want to ask this morning if you would please stand to your feet. And I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you. Now, here, here's what I know. For every, by the way, weren't those words that, that these guys came up with, weren't, weren't those powerful? Those were powerful. But I know that there are some of those very words that when these guys were speaking these words, they didn't know it, but they were prophesying and they were, they were talking to some of you too. And there's some things that, that the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, he just like, you can just sense it right now. He's just speaking. He's just saying, I want to take care of that. I, I, I want to, to fill you to overflowing so you don't, you don't have to be bound by that anymore. It doesn't have to hold you back. Fear doesn't have to hold you back. And so the Holy Spirit wants to do a great work in you. Would you just close your eyes right now? I just sense that there are many people that are in the room. Something's been holding you back. And listen, that doesn't make you a terrible person. That just makes you human. But now that the word of God has come into your heart, 
now that, that the Holy Spirit has illuminated what's really happening, now you know. Now you know what to do. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite right now, if the prayer team, would you mind just go ahead and come up front, the prayer team? And we do this every week. For those of you who are guests, we do this every week where the prayer team is coming up front and ready to pray. But we have a, a team of people who are coming up front and ready to pray. But if you right now know that there are some things that have been holding you back. Now, listen to me. It's gonna, you're going to have to be brave. Some of you, you've never gotten out of your seat to come down front. And you're going to have to be brave. But right now, you need to dismiss the spirit of fear. Because fear will want to keep you right there in that seat. And the Holy Spirit is trying to do something in your heart and in your life. And he's nudging you right now. If you feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit to agree in prayer. And by the way, every one of us need prayer. We all need prayer. So no one's looking down at you for coming up for prayer. We all need prayer. But if you need to come and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you, then I want to invite you to do that. And here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to start singing a worship song. You're going to come forward. This prayer team will begin to pray with you. And then in, in just a few minutes after that, then I'll come right back up. And I want to lead us into a, a corporate prayer where we're going to just receive and allow God to do everything that he desires to do. And there's a prophetic word that I believe that God has for you as well. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would draw every person who needs prayer. Whatever the need is, whatever has held them back, break the chains of bondage right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you that you draw them by your spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.